welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nitin. What's good, Nitin? Yo, it is Super Bowl week. Uh, my Kansas City Chiefs are three days away from looking for their second straight Lombardi. Um, we're happy here in Kansas City. We feel good about it. But to break this game down further, we had to bring in some experts. We have the Hamidi bros on the mic today with us, Arash and Ashkin. Close friends of mine from Virginia Tech. I think, Karthik, you've met Arash. You have not met Ashkin in person, but we have been on the Zoom for 40 minutes trying to figure out audio. <laughs> so basically all know each other. What up, boys? What's what up, what's up? Ready right. to see another Tom Brady Super Bowl? <laughs> He's going for number seven. So, Karthik, let me start with you, man, because like three days ago, where are you at mentally? How much has your productivity at work dropped? Uh, what jersey you got? Tell me all the game day rituals. And I know you're not watching in your mom's basement again, but give me something better than that. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm nervous, man. I'm really nervous. But this week, this week's been hard to focus at work. I've been consuming all the press conferences and I didn't realize they have press conferences for literally everyone. Like I'm talking about our assistant special teams coach is getting interviewed for 30 minutes about God knows what. Um, and I'm out there consuming all that content. It's, it's exciting. Uh, I wish I could be going to Tampa. You know, how I think last week I said I wouldn't want to go to the Super Bowl to watch my yeah, team. Yeah, that's stupid. Now after seeing like kind of all the festivities and like people are going to the Super Bowl experience, um, I'm I'm kind of jealous, and I wish I was there. So, but overall for the game, you, I told yeah. you I could get you tickets. Six grand a piece. We'd be down there on Sunday. It's more than six grand. Tickets are going for like ten plus um, because the, the market is definitely uh, limited. Yeah, I think well, they like have fifteen thousand seats. I think for sale. Everything else is uh, healthcare workers, vaccinated, frontline people, etc. So I'll, I'll tell you what I did do. I did buy one of those Super Bowl cutouts for for a hundred bucks, which look, this is the biggest scam. In uh, <laughs> listen to this, so I, I paid for the hundred dollar cutout. Then the NFL sends me a message saying, "You're not guaranteed to actually have your cutout in the stands, and even if you do get it, we're not going to notify you that you'll have it." So I was like, "Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Maybe at the end of the game they'll send me my cutout back, or at least an image with my cutout." They said, at the end of the game, we'll email you a picture of the entire stadium and you can go find yourself and, oh and tag yourself God. on social media. So uh, there's 30,000 cutouts at the stadium. So hopefully I won't spend too long trying to find mine. You're going to be but. in orange zone parking lot space 4B. <laughs> <laughs> but, exactly. Right. And, and the, other, the other thing is it's going to rain most likely on Sunday. So, yeah. so much for that cutout even. <laughs> So I feel like this game, and the more I think about it, the more I feel like this is a better game than Chiefs-Packers would have been. I actually think the Chiefs would have won quite handily uh, versus the Packers, given their limitations defensively. I feel like there's so many good matchups all around the field. So Arash, let's start with you. What are you looking at kind of coming into this game as as like a positional matchup, one-on-one? What's something that's standing out to you uh, that you're going to keep your eye on? I'm excited to see, obviously, what everybody else is probably excited to see. The offenses go at it, right? Um, surprisingly, the Chiefs' defense has performed better than we thought. Um, the Bucks' defense is stacked, so you shouldn't have been surprised that they had a top defense. For as much credit as us Washington locals like to give our team for having a good defense, Tampa's defense was legit this year. Um, but honestly, 
that's probably what I'm looking forward to, right? How deep do these offenses go and can the defenses keep up with them? Um, everyone obviously knows the Chiefs offense from last year and the performance they put on. But, dude, you got Antonio Brown, you got Chris Godwin, um, names that everyone knows, and they're just stacked. Running back, wide receiver, tight end. Um, it's the easiest answer. Everyone's waiting. Either possession, whoever's on offense, it's going to be a spectacle because both teams have these prolific offenses ready at the helm. Yeah. So what, I guess, Ashkin, what what are the Bucks going to be able to do differently versus the last time these two teams played? Week 12, where I think Kansas City scored the first 17 points of the game. Tyreek Hill was over 200 yards in the first quarter. Now the end score was, I think, a three-point game, so it seemed a bit closer than the, you know, than the, the game flow was. So what are they going to do differently, and who's going to have to step up to make some of those plays? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you go back in history and look at teams that have always played each other during the season, and then when they match up again in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl, the outcome is always different. Um, so I'm the obvious answer would be, you know, Tyreek Hill kind of blew him up. And, you know, I'm sure Todd Bowles will have some scheme around that. But to me, the the this game will be won and lost on how Tampa Bay can defend Travis Kelsey. If Devin White and Levante David can neutralize Travis Kelsey, then you only have one person to really worry about, and that's Tyreek Hill. So that's like the matchup I'm most looking forward to is how can these two speed demons uh, kind of uh, handle Travis Kelsey? I'd have to agree with the Rosh there uh, or Ashkan there because Travis Kelsey is gonna, it's like A, you can say A and then you've got a, both covered. One of the Hamidi brothers. Um, Travis Kelsey is going to be the the matchup nightmare for the Bucks because one of the reasons Tyreek Hill went off in week 12, that matchup, um, they played a lot of single high coverage with the safety and left Carlton Davis on an island with Tyreek Hill. Um, and it, look, it was dumb even at the beginning of the game when w- watching it. I don't know why Todd Bowles thought that was a good idea. They're going to bracket him now with with that safety help. They did that against Devontae Adams. And I mean, he still had about 60 something yards, but it was pretty effective in not allowing him to kind of break that game open. But if they do that with... Um, with Hill, it's going to open things up in the middle for for Travis Kelsey. And the the dirty secret about Devin White, he's getting a lot of, of love from the press uh, recently because of how well he's been playing. He's horrible in coverage, like horrific in coverage. And Levante David's all right, but I think that is going to be the matchup nightmare for them is how are they going to stop Kelsey? I think they'll be fine against Hill, um, but the middle's where they're going to do damage. Well, ultimately, that's the pick-your-poison nature that nobody's been able to solve yet with the Chiefs, right? They won 24 of 25 or something like that that Mahomes has been playing, 25 of 26, including a Super Bowl and almost a near second Super Bowl uh, in two years ago. So ultimately, you got to choose between letting Tyreek take the top off your defense or Travis Kelsey just, you know, those 15-yard curls or ends to death. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know that you could just say, well, if we do one, we take away the other. Even last week, and against the Browns, they were kind of able to do both uh, for stretches. I think last week they combined for almost 300 yards between the two of them. Um, week you know, 12 versus the Chiefs, they combined for 200, 350 yards. So who, is it really a question of being able to take one out or even being able to take the run game out? Because I feel like there's five different things they can do. There's really no way to eliminate more than two or three of them. What do you guys think? First of all, I should have said this right off the bat. 
I'm envious, Karthik, that your team is in the freaking Super Bowl, man. Like a feeling that I haven't yet experienced in my life. And like, I'm surprised you're so calm. And like last year, you guys were what? A quarterback who threw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. And for the most part, your team's the same, right? It's just one quarterback. And I, maybe that signifies how uh, epic and uh, amazing of a player Tom Brady is that he takes the same roster. And now you guys are in the position to possibly win a ring. Um, so as we're talking, I kind of just like realized, holy shit, you're a Buccaneers fan. And I since don't know if I'll ever have that Since 2020, no. <laughs> when they signed certain Tom Brady. 99, since 99, Trent Dilfer. Are, are you from the- Tampa Bay or what's your connection to Tampa Bay? <laughs> no, I was, a, I was a kid. I liked the logo. I liked the defense. And I just, His connection I, is they were perfect. dominant in Madden this season. That's fair. You know, that's fair. The the Super Bowl that obviously the Bucks were in at last, right, against the Raiders. And I think that was the one where you had the number one offense going against the number one defense. And um, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of analogous to right now, right? The Kansas City Chiefs, for all uh, sake of argument, has one of the number one offenses. And we were just talking about how the defense of the Bucks has um, surpassed expectations, at least for me. I didn't expect them to be that great of a defense. Um, so it's almost kind of a, a little bit of a... Uh, full circle when the Bucks were in the Super Bowl last time. But what was the question? I, I got off topic. I think the question is really like I'm thinking about this, right? Like, Carthy, you talked about how the Bucks had the number one rush defense in the NFL, and then they get back Vita Vea against the Packers. You know, he's not in every snap, but he's now got two more weeks of rest. Him, JPP, Shaq Barrett. So, are they going to get enough pressure uh, with that front four? to disrupt the run game and Mahomes timing, or do those kind of things don't not matter? Because when I see Mahomes make plays, he's almost always got a guy draped on him and it's never really affected his accuracy or ability to get the ball downfield. So what's the antidote that nobody's quite been able to figure out yet to say, Hey, here's how we're going to slow down enough of Kansas city's components such that, you know, they're not putting up historic numbers. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this They First of all, it's very easy to say you got to rush for, and play everyone else in coverage. Most quarterbacks, if you can get pressure with just the front four, you're you're gonna have success, right? I think I think for for Tampa Bay, they got to not give up the big play. What you have to do is is it's okay if you give up the short yardage and make the Chiefs march down the field, but eventually that pressure, no matter how good Mahomes is at eluding it and escaping it, that pressure will get to him. You're gonna you know get a, a big sack on a second down or a third down play, end a possession early, cause them to kick a field goal. So what they have to do is they just have to make sure they don't give up anything big. Like the Chiefs live off a lot of those big plays, make them earn those those yards, long drives, and then the Bucks are very good bend don't break defense. And so I think that's going to be the key. And then if you have enough of those plays, you're going to get the pressure is going to eventually get to him at some point. And I think one of the storylines that's not getting enough credit is both of the Kansas City tackles who are studs, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, are both out. So you've got JPP and Shaq Barrett breathing down this dude's neck and the Doc Sue coming right up the fucking middle. So, like, yeah, I agree. I, I think we all expect this game to be close in nature. So it is going to come down to one of those third down plays or if they can get a red, red zone stop, that's really going to be like the swing of momentum in the game. And I think the Tampa Bay is just, they're such a well-rounded team that they can kind of like hit on all aspects of the game. Here's where I would push back on get, not giving. Obviously, you don't want Tyreek 70 yards downfield over and over. Like you're not, it's not a recipe for success. But the Chiefs have shown no problems when they've needed to to put together 10, 12 play drives, right? Like 
you think about the against the Bills when they were down 9-0. They just come down and methodically score. You think about that very first drive against Cleveland. Now, the Cleveland game was weird. The Mahomes injury, some of those things kind of changed up the dynamic. But that very first drive, they just came down the field. I don't think they had to play longer than 15 yards. And Mahomes ran it in from one yard out. And I just think that, like, I would say that Mahomes has no weakness as a quarterback that I've seen. I mean, can he get a little loose at times with passes and start feeling, you know, thinking his shit don't stink a little bit? Sure. But he's proven over and over again when the chips are on the table, he's going to make a play. And I think getting beat by Kelsey over and over again isn't any less painful than getting Tyreek to take the top off the defense. So let me ask you guys this. So, Arash, what do you think, flip side, when Tampa Bay is on offense? Because the big thing I'm wondering about is Chris Jones, right? Because Brady's good at getting pressure from the edges because he's the best ever to step up into the pocket when need be to make the pass. So I feel like Chris Jones is the key to this game to get pressure in the middle to make Brady a little bit more uncomfortable. But when you think about Tampa on offense, where do you think uh, their strengths are versus Kansas City? And what do you think that they're potentially going to get hurt by? So we've all been watching the playoff games, obviously, and we've seen Tampa go on this run. Um, the player that's been quiet, I guess to my surprise, is their tight ends um, for the most part, right? You would think Rob Gronkowski would be the guy because of his name, but honestly, Brait is a better tight end than him at this point in their careers. But they've mostly been quiet. I think probably Brait has scored a touchdown maybe against Washington in that first round game. Um, but for the most part, they haven't done much damage to their opponents. And that may speak to all the other offensive weapons. I kind of expect them to take advantage there. Um, we don't really know Chiefs because of their secondary. We don't expect them. Obviously, they have good safeties. Daniel Sorensen is a very underrated um, player for that defense, and he he plays big. Um, his nickname is Dirty Dan, and um, I'm a huge fan of his, and he's like a very simple guy. You would never know his name or know his number, but he was huge in the Super Bowl last year for them. It's going to be up to him to stop these tight ends. Um, because their other safeties are much smaller in frame. Juan Thornhill from UVA, small guy. We obviously all know Tyron, but these guys don't have the size to be able to keep up with a Brait or a Gronkowski. So I think or even a Mike have... Evans, right? Exactly, right? Well, yeah, Mike Evans will most likely be on the outside, right? So they're going to rely on their corners to stop him. But um, I think Bucks are going to try to use their tight ends. I think they're going to be clever. They're going to dink and duck, just like the uh, Chiefs use Travis Kelsey. And it might all fall onto Daniel Sorensen's shoulders to be the deciding factor on whether they have a successful offensive night or not. And you also got to think, like the Chiefs, if they have a weakness on defense, it's their linebacker play. They don't necessarily have the same kind of studs on that line that they do with the D-line or in the secondary with Honey Badger and Sorensen. So that's not even, I you know, and I wouldn't even say that's limited to um, – tight ends depending on how much zone Kansas City plays there could be a lot of routes for Godwin and Antonio Brown underneath um you know Brown's playing in his first Super Bowl I feel like he's gonna be fucking pumped you know Le'Veon on the other side but I don't think Le'Veon's gonna play all that much if at all so I think the underneath routes could be there because Kansas City lacks that sideline to sideline speed like is available on the other side absolutely I think the key is gonna be the tight end play look Kansas City's really good um they're really good at sealing everything up deep. Uh, and um, the key really for them on defense is they sent more six-man rushes against Brady this season than I think any other team. And they were extremely successful in those in those blitzes. So in those blitz packages, Steve Spagnuolo is a good defensive coordinator. 
likes to mix it up. Um, they got to they got to Brady, pressured him. He was not very effective against the blitz. So I expect them to do more of the same. Uh, but Rob Gronkowski, last time they played, you know, torched him for six receptions, 106 yards. Now, I don't think he's going to have another 100-yard game in him, but I think that does speak to where they can be exploited. And I think the Bucs are going to have to, you know, the last couple of games, they've still been very big play heavy, um, looking for those big shots to Evans, looking for those big shots uh, to Godwin. I think this game, they're going to have to have more crossing routes, uh, like you mentioned, more drag routes, things down the middle. And, you know, they had some success doing that against the Chiefs in week 12, but that's just not really their MO as an offense. So I, I think one of the things I worry about for them is, can they dial up those plays and and not get tempted by the deep ball? Because Brady and, you know, Arians and Leftwich, they even if it's third and three, they'll send a deep shot to Mike Evans. And, and I think they got to be less tempted to do that this time around. So on that note, Ashkin, what do you think about the coaching matchup here? Because they're two very, very aggressive coaches um, in different styles of aggression, right? Arians, pride of Blacksburg, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Shout out. Leading um, rusher. All-time leading rusher. <laughs> All-time leading <laughs> rusher ahead of Michael Vick, except of, <laughs> ahead of Arash. Um, those are the top three, I think. But um, So he, he likes to obviously – air it out right get the ball downfield Andy Reid of course is going to take his shots but his I think his style is much more let's be creative in terms of our sets in terms of where the ball is going misdirection etc so how do you break down this coaching matchup both offensively and defensively yeah I think we're in for a treat because these are like top of the line coaches I think um, like you said, Andy Reid is definitely going to be creative. He's going to have some tricks up his sleeve. Definitely, you can expect one or two uh, trick plays in the red zone. Uh, and Todd Bowles, he'll live by the blitz, die by the blitz. So I think uh, it it bodes well for like a high scoring, high like uh, high impact type of plays. Um, but I think like on the opposite end is really where I think is going to be where the game is going to be won between Spagnola and Benemy. Uh, I think that's a matchup. Like we have the big names with Bowles and, and Reed, but Benemy and Spagnola is where uh, I think we'll really see if Benemy can make a name for himself in this game and outshine all of the other coaches that are uh, high profile in this, in this game. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about Bienemy, he's playing, he's coaching again without a head coaching job next year, right? It's been another season where it's he's interviewed, I think, six different, five, five or six different head coaching opportunities, or maybe all seven actually, because he ended up interviewing in Houston, struck out again. Part of that could be because the Kansas, the Chiefs are still playing and they want to hire a guy sooner. Part of that could be for any number of reasons. I do feel like he's going to have a bit of a chip on his shoulder, but. That's where like the Bienemy Bowles matchup is so fascinating to me because Bowles is going to bring a lot of pressure. He's going to try to get to Mahomes, make him feel uncomfortable. Uh, Arash, what have you seen out of, um, you know, if you think about that chess match, both on both sides of the ball, who do you think has the edge? Uh, who would you trust with the chips on the table? So the interesting thing, and maybe this is because of my lack of knowledge, but the interesting thing I find with Bienemy not getting a job opportunity is that we praise Andy Reid for being this offensive savant, but then we're confused why Bienemy's not getting a job opportunity as in because he's a great offensive coordinator. So like who is the one to receive the credit? Is it Andy Reid? Because then that would explain why the offensive coordinator is not getting a job, or is it Bienemy? And then why are we praising Andy Reid so much? 
Um, there's also some, I guess, some criminal history, as people have probably heard through reports of why Vietnamese hasn't possibly gotten this opportunity. But um, I don't know. I, I always get confused on why people are confused that he's not getting an opportunity. And then you have to factor in he also has maybe the best quarterback of all time. Uh, Makes you look good. One of the top five tight ends of all time and Tyreek Hill, right? So there's there's a, a bunch of options. I think, I don't know. I feel like credit can be, doesn't have to be binary, right? There could be multiple reasons why a team does well. I think the p- reason why people get upset, frankly, about the Biennemi thing, and you could you could put the criminal history out there, but the fact is he was still given this job, which is a pretty high profile job. He's still being given interviews, which means in theory, a, you know, a team would be open to hiring him. The thing that I think gets frustrated or people get frustrated for is that other coaches who have been in his exact role got jobs, Doug Peterson to Philly and Matt Nagy to Chicago. Not to mention the kid that just got hired in, uh, in Philadelphia now from the Colts also didn't have play calling responsibilities because Frank Reich calls plays there. And so the criteria, the goalposts keep shifting. So it's hard to understand what's the ding um, against the enemy. Maybe it's not one thing. Maybe it's a culmination of things. But it does definitely feels like at no point has one outlier on his resume not been true of someone else that got a head coaching opportunity. Yeah, no, it definitely feels like he's getting slighted. I mean, by now he should have got an opportunity even after the first Super Bowl that they won. If they go back to back, that would make it even more um, puzzling why he hasn't gotten the opportunity yet. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for him. I thought Houston should have hired him. Um, they're having this whole controversy right now with losing possibly their star franchise quarterback who they just resigned what, four months ago when the season started. And so it seems like this hire would have um, solidified not only their future, but at least the happiness of their franchise quarterback. Do you think that if they had hired Biennemi, there's any world in which Deshaun takes back his trade request? It's too late now, right? Didn't they already hire their guy? Yeah, but if they had, you think that was the final straw or was already camel had, the straw had already broke the camel's back before then? So the issue with, from what I've heard about Deshaun Watson is that the ownership came to him um, you know, gave him a vote of confidence that they wanted him involved in the process of hiring their their next direction, right? Not only head yeah. coach, but possibly GM. And then you give him the cold shoulder. And so anybody, whether you're the quarterback of the team, especially if you're the quarterback of the team and you're young and you're, um, you are you got a bright future ahead of you like he does, but if you're anybody and you're given some type of uh, vote of confidence and, um, you know, informed that you'd be part of this process and then you're completely blocked out of it, of course, they're going to have, you're going to feel some type of way about it. So I think that's probably more it than anything. It's not about not hiring the enemy, but it's probably about being lied to by a team that you're tied to contractually. It's so insane to think just 13 months ago, they were up 24-0 on these Chiefs, <laughs> and now it's all falling apart. Karthik, let me ask you this. So your ferocious uh, head, head cutout thing, notwithstanding, how much factor do you put into having home field advantage? It's never happened, so we have no precedent uh, in terms of the Super Bowl. But at the same time, there's 25% capacity, a quarter of which are healthcare workers who, you know, maybe they're football fans, but let's assume that they're not necessarily Bucks diehards. So do you think that matters? And before you answer, let me let me note, they made a ruling today that the cannon could not go off uh, during this game. So that's from the pirate ship. So that's big news. Yeah, it has zero impact. Um, we don't have any kind of advantage. Look, actually, if it if it wasn't for COVID, there would be a slight advantage because what happens is during Super Bowl week uh, or the week leading up to the Super Bowl, the both teams have to fly into the city 
practice in the host city that whole week. Um, so you're in a different locker room, different practice field, everything, right? And that would benefit the Bucks in the situation where te- you know the Chiefs were able to fly in a week early. They had to practice on some visitor field while we were in our home kind of uh, arena or facilities, right? This year, since because they're taking extra precautionary measures, the Chiefs are only flying into Tampa on Friday. So they're practicing at home. We're practicing at home. It really doesn't make any difference uh, that we're going to be at home. And when you talk about the fan noise and all that, like 20,000 fans, the Super Bowl crowd is always mixed. It doesn't matter if we're in Tampa. The people buying tickets are coming from all across the country. So I don't think, and Tampa's not known for having a really rabid fan base to begin with. So it, I don't think it's going to have any impact. The number of life alerts that are going to be in that stadium is, will be outrageous. <laughs> yeah. So, but, it, yeah. But the thing is, I actually think flying late is a disadvantage. Like, it's kind of disorienting to travel, even a two, three hour flight like it is probably from Kansas City to, to Tampa. And I actually think they're flying Saturday morning is what I heard, because the guy that got that haircut done today, he's waiting to <laughs> test negative till Saturday so he can fly with the team. So I think it's kind of crazy that they're flying one day before. That's unprecedented for any road game, much less the Super Bowl. Look, they're not flying from Seattle, okay? They're flying from Kansas City. It's not that long of a flight. Like, this is not going to be disorienting to a team, especially a team like Kansas City who's been there, done that. Um, You know, they've been in the Super Bowl. This isn't new territory for them. I I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference, honestly. I, I wish it would. The cannons would have been a nice little touch. Uh, Bucks fans are irrationally upset about the cannon fire, but I guess you can't do anything about that. Well, you know, I feel like if they fired them for both teams, then it would have been okay. But if it was just for the Bucks, <laughs> it would probably have been like slightly unfair. That's what we wanted. Um, so I, I do right, want to so have one. I want have one comment about the coaching, though. Um, yeah, I think what's interesting. Bruce Arians and, and being a Bucks fan this year, and we've been Bucks fans have been really frustrated with Bruce Arians all season long uh, because he's he's a very old school type coach, um, not very innovative. I think his his vertical offense is kind of a dying offense in the NFL. Like you watch every other team, the way they they do motion, the way they do um, the kind of different formations they run, the Bucks don't do any of that, and we're winning on pure talent, pure just. Heart. But I think what Bucks fans have come to appreciate is these guys play hard for Bruce Arians. And I know that's a cliche, and um, but we got a lot of young guys on this roster, a lot of guys who he kind of lets them play, you know, the style that suits them the best. They're not force fit into any kind of system. And that's really benefited us. And then obviously with Tom Brady's leadership, like it's all come together. So um, I think sometimes Br- uh, Arians gets too much credit, but it's been interesting watching him take a very old school type offense that he's been using for 10, 15 years now uh, and still have success with it. It's pretty insane that Brady, I mean, I feel like we need to talk about Brady and Mahomes for a second. Cause like to say that these are uncharted waters is almost doing it a disservice to how ridiculous what we're watching is. I mean, this man started in the Super Bowl in 2002, was it? The, you know, the 2001 season, Super Bowl in 2002, Rams, Patriots, which was 19 years ago. He's a sixth-round pick. He went from being a kind of game manager, let the defense win you the game, make a couple big-time throws, to being an absolute stat monster later in his career. 
But then by the time he started doing that with those Randy Moss teams, they didn't win for a long stretch to then reinventing himself a third time with the quick hit offense that he was running with the Welkers and Edelman's and, and uh, you know, Amendola's of the world. And now, like I told you last week, Karthik, like this is what he would have looked like with Moss type weapons, the whole, his whole career. He threw 40 fucking touchdowns. He's 43 years old this season. And it wasn't even like, yes, there was a little bit of stat padding, but it wasn't like, you know, it was all just garbage time. Like a lot of it was meaningful passes. Like when you're watching, like Ashka, when you're watching Brady, do you think there's any world in which we see something like this again, even with all the, you know, progress in modern medicine, whatever, like, do you really, like he's 43, could easily play two, three more years if he wanted, maybe more. Like, I don't even know how to put this into context. Yeah, I feel like normally I would probably say no, but the guy he's going up against makes me believe that we may see something like this again. Uh, Mahomes is a great example. And like, just the fact that we've seen one in like 10 years since kind of Brady's kind of gone on this tear just makes me believe there will be a new athlete who kind of like trumps all of these other athletes. So I think the athlete will always continue to get better through science, through medicine, through everything. Um, not to discount what Brady's done. It's been, it's been amazing. Uh, but I think that Mahomes, this, like, this could be a storybook ending for the NFL for the mantle being passed from Brady to Mahomes and him kind of carrying that forward. So I'm curious to see how he performs. And I, I, as a non-Brady fan, I hope that Mahomes kind of like takes this opportunity and seizes it. That's a good question. Arash, do you think the league prefers Brady winning his seventh and kind of cementing himself as maybe the greatest athlete we've ever seen? Or Mahomes beating him, having a chance at the goat and getting to now make that the narrative for the next 15 years. I think it's win-win, right? The league wins either way. Um, This is probably one of the best matchups they could have probably hoped for if they were going to roll the dice. And that's if you think the league is not rigged and they do allow the dice to be rolled. But um, no, man, I mean, yeah, they obviously looking ahead. They want stars to be already in position to take over the league, to carry the storyline. That's a big thing that's always talked about in the NBA. We're slowly seeing that wave of, um, people that we were watching in our 20s come to retirement and pass on. Do we have the next wave of stars in the NBA ready to captivate us and carry the league forward? The NFL, obviously, um, a much more um, bigger business with the amount of teams and franchises that they have are probably have the same concerns. But here in this particular year, in this particular game, um, it's a win-win for them. Either storyline that plays out will be drawing attention, drawing eyes, um, I'm also, uh, like Ashkan, pretty amazed at Tom Brady. I hate to admit his greatness, similar to how I, um, for the longest time, avoided admitting LeBron's greatness until he joined my team, and now I'm... Please, let's not... Oh, my God. Karthik gets to root for LeBron and Brady. I've had the worst year of my life. <laughs> I don't have as hard of a time admitting that anymore. But um, it's it's unbelievable, man. Like, literally, I was just, as you were talking, going through his injury history throughout his career... And like, but for that, um, the ACL tear in 2008, the dude has just survived. Um, he's had minor injuries, so call it luck or just call it, um, you know, clever play. But he's had the opportunity to play all these games because he's stayed healthy. 
I think he comes, I mean, obviously he's got a two-year contract with Tampa Bay, right? This is the one of two. So if this team is, for the most part, sustained, they can make another run at it. And who knows if he wants to come back, if the league, if, given his injury history, the league is probably fine with him winning the next few. Um, that'll carry the league into um, the mid-2020s. And then it's time for hopefully maybe other stars to come in. But I'm hoping, unfortunately, Karthik, that Tom Brady goes down and the league is done with him after this. Yeah, but that's that's exactly the storyline that I think people are ignoring is the fact that Brady's not going anywhere after the season. I think everyone is treating this as like the the passing of the torch. But realistically, like I don't it's hard to get to the Super Bowl again. The, the Bucks to do it again will be very difficult, but they're going to be returning the same team next year. They've got a ton of cap space to re-sign a lot of the guys and bring back, you know, uh Sa and Barrett and Godwin, at least a majority of them. And Brady is still on a mission, and especially since they played New England next year. Like, you know he's going to be fired up for that game. And so we could be seeing, you know, it's not going to last for that long, but at least this year they play. And if Mahomes loses, there's going to be a potential for a rematch. The NFL can hype that up. Or if Brady, uh, if Mahomes wins, the NFL can hype that up as well. So this is literally best case scenario for them um, because Brady's going to be coming back next year. So there's still that storyline that's going to carry over into next season. I got to say, I am a huge Brady hater, like I mentioned last week. And I always said, okay, he played in the AFC East, garbage division. So that meant he was guaranteed the bye, guaranteed the best record because it's six teams against, six games against chump teams. And at that point, if you're playing at home in round two, it means you're likely playing at home in round three. And then there you are in the Super Bowl, right? So there was always this built-in excuse. He had never won a Super Bowl from a wild card spot or even from a first weekend spot. Last season, you saw them have a home game versus Tennessee, but get totally stifled. But what he's done this year, maybe because he's out of the Boston shadow, I'm able to see a little bit clearer. But to go on the road three straight games, anybody who does it, it's incredible. To do it at 43, to do it against uh, a Washington defense, which while, while they were pretty heavy underdogs, that was more because of their QB situation versus the defense not being able to handle Brady. Then to go into New Orleans and then into Green Bay, I'm just like, I, there's no other ammo if you have an anti-Brady argument at this point, I feel like. I don't know if I think the same way about those three wins. Like, you beat Washington, who signed some dude from Old Dominion who was fucking chugging beers and passing tests <laughs> to fucking come play quarterback. And then you beat Drew Brees, who had a punctured lung, who couldn't even throw the ball like 20 yards down the field. And then in the NFC Championship, you throw three picks, two in the fourth quarter, and your fucking superstar team bails you out. Maybe I could still be a hater, but That's I don't true. know. Karthik, respond for your boy who sucked the whole playoffs and now gets a Super Bowl trip. All right, there, there's a lot of revisionist history going on. Okay, heading into that Washington football team game, what was Nitin talking about? How the defense? What you predicted them to beat the Bucks, right? I think, and there were a lot of. There were I'm a wearing other... a wizard sweatshirt. Of course, I'm gonna pick my my hometown. Yeah, squad yeah, yeah. DC forever, whatever. Um, but look, there were a lot of people talking about the pass rush getting to Brady, the NFC East being like a you know something that maybe he can't conquer. And then when he went to the Saints, it was oh the Saints thrashed him twice the regular season. You know they have no answer for the Saints. And then they went to the to Lambeau. Oh, how are they going to do in, in Lambeau on the road against Aaron Rodgers? You know, Brady can't compete with Aaron Rodgers' MVP season. Brady has not been spectacular, but he's made the winning plays. And I talked about it last week. 
He doesn't make the bone crushing mistakes that Aaron Rodgers made one, Breeze made one, uh, Heineke made one, right? So I, I, that <laughs> the, Heineke has a, never been mentioned. So it took me a while to remember his name. <laughs> Brady Rodgers and but uh, like, Breeze. Brady deserves credit for you know getting the team this far. As as much as the defense has really been the the catalyst for the Bucks, I think the his timeliness for making clutch plays and then avoiding the mistakes is a big reason why we why we're here. So, yeah. So I think I think it's 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 this is the problem with Brady, right? Because he's never wowed in an individual moment or season, aside from maybe two thousand seven with Moss the way that Mahomes did two years ago or Manning did a couple seasons in Indian and, and in Denver and the way Rodgers did. And that's always like the great debate to me. It's like he doesn't do anything immediately that jumps off the page. But when you watch this over and over and over again, it's just like a war of attrition at some point that I feel like everybody who's rooted against this guy is eventually lost. Arash, do you think Mahomes can be this? Like he's now played three years. He's got one MVP one Super Bowl, one Super Bowl MVP, and now is playing for his second in three seasons of actually being the starter. Like, can he actually get to this heights? Or what do you think is going to hold him back? Whether it's cap, whether it's Reed retiring, I don't know. The dude is owed $500 million, right? So they got to pay him. And that was one thing that Tom Brady, I guess, selflessly um, continued to do while he was in New England to allow that team to be competitive is he would take the pay cuts I mean, obviously, having a model wife who's bringing in the bank helps that um, that financial hit. So, no, I don't know. Um, this is a conversation that I guess many people are having is, will we see another Tom Brady? Will we see another 10-year um, reign by one player? Mahomes is a very good guess at someone who may be able to do it. He's off to a great start. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever had as hot of a start as he's had. But one thing I want to point out with Karthik was saying is that you got to admit, as much as you said that Tom Brady doesn't make the mistakes and look at all the other people that have, Tom Brady has been the benefactor of a lot of, I don't know, dumb luck, great luck. Um, Rigging. The 2001 AFC Divisional tuck rule right off the bat. And like, he's just, I mean, the Atlanta Super Bowl and Kyle Shanahan's play calling still haunts me to this day. I, you have to admit, as much as Tom Brady didn't make a mistake, his opponents continue to make mistakes. Uh, I feel like the Saints handed that game to the Buccaneers with Drew Brees' four interceptions. Um, so I don't know. It, it like it bothers me, and I'm not. A, I wasn't a New England fan. I wasn't their opponents fan at the time. But like Tom Brady is always just on the right side of fate. I don't know. But well, when you're lucky twenty years in a row, at some point it's not. There's a consistent variable across all of that, and that's fair. And when you look at the New England teams, like it's not that they've always had an elite defense. They've had very good defenses. There are years when they weren't a top 10 defense and, and he won. There were years where, um, you know, like every iteration of that Patriots team, when they're a running team, when they had Moss and all those weapons, I guess they lost that year. But they've gone through so many iterations, so many different defenses, so many different personnel, and he still consistently comes out on top. And I think... Yeah, there are lucky breaks, but Breeze, Rodgers, all these guys have only made one Super Bowl. Like, And at some point, the fact that Brady is going to 10 and those guys are only going to 1, it can't just be dumb luck. There has to be something he's doing that none of them are doing. And yeah, I, I he's deflating the footballs. <laughs> and I, look, I was not. I, I always thought Brady was the GOAT, but I also hated Brady like everyone else. As a Bucks fan, he's literally know. videotaping opposing defenses so he knows the exact play calls that are <laughs> happening. 
Yeah, but I guess I drank the Kool Aid. Like once he's on your team, right? Like Rosh, you know, with LeBron on your team now, it's like the the it changes. Everything changes. Yeah, LeBron, you guys, dude. Two thousand nine. We're in this hotel room in Charlotte, and <laughs> LeBron has not won a title. But by two thousand nine, Karthik, you know, he was already really, really. He had already won an MVP. Yep. Arash is arguing that he is not an NBA superstar at that moment. He's in year six of his career, literally winning the award for best player in the league. And according to Rosh, he's not a superstar. Now this dude comes to the Lakers. And I don't hear the end of it from him either. Karthik, this guy that's sitting across from you on the TV, on the computer screen right now, he went through some 30-minute heated arguments, statistical analysis, providing me as much data as I could possibly ask for on why LeBron was a bigger superstar at that time than Kobe or that he would be eventually. And like he was exhausted and we were sitting on this bed in this Charlotte motel. And at the end of it, he's gasping for breath. And then it was my turn to provide a rebuttal. I don't know if you remember this, Nathan, or not. <laughs> I took maybe a six second break and I like had this deep look on my face. And then I was like, KB24. And then he just started attacking uh, me. I was about to beat this kid's ass. <laughs> I was so upset. But I've had that debate plenty of times too. Back in 2009, I was at UCLA. I had plenty of Laker, you know, fan friends and they'd have the same retort. It's like, but Kobe. And I, what do you say to that? That's all you got to say sometimes. It's just Kobe. All right. Before we switch to basketball, we're going to get into basketball. But before we switch, let me get a score prediction and an MVP prediction. Start with you, Ashkan. Oh boy, an MVP. I would say uh, final score 31-30 MVP Brady. So Bucks winning, I assume? Yeah, Bucks win. Okay. Arash. I think 30-16. I think Bucks win as well. And I think Ronald Jones is their MVP. I don't know how they get him involved. I think it's through the run game. I think it's through the screen game. Um, but I think, yeah, I think Bucks win, and I think they win big time. Wow. Wow. All right, I'll let Karthik, you can go last. I'll go Chiefs 31-23, and the MVP, as boring as it is, it's going to be Mahomes. It's almost, for a quarterback that's good, it's almost impossible for him not to win if his team wins. So 31-23, Chiefs. And I'm going Chiefs as well. 30 to 27. Look, I'm, I'm being realistic. I can still want the Bucks to win. I just, I find it hard that it, it's going to happen, but he said this every week, literally every <laughs> week. He's I'm not going to, I'm not going to change my the reverse jinx. All right. So we'll see what happens. The game's on Sunday. Uh, so I'm sure we'll talk about it next week, but hopefully it's a, at least a good game. The weekend is halftime performer. Uh, I think three to one that he opens with, um, blinding lights or whatever that song is so we'll see what happens but all right who's singing the national anthem actually i forgot it's not a not noteworthy j-lo yeah. or no uh, one all right. probably she's everywhere all right we're gonna switch to a little nba to wrap it up we're gonna go a little bit more rapid fire lightning round since you guys are not on with us every week to talk to my minutia of the jazz pick and roll defense what we'll do is just broaden it out a little bit Get some big picture questions about um, both this season uh, as well as looking ahead to, you know, to future seasons. So let's start off right off the boat. We just talked about the Super Bowl predictions. You get much less of a uh, certainty of which teams are going to be participating. So let's go here. So 
based on what you've seen, we're about 20-ish games through the way, through the way, so a little bit over uh, a quarter of the way through this shortened season. We'll go the same order. Ashkin, who do you like uh, as of right now for your finals prediction? Who's going to win and who's going to be the runner-up? I think my answer will probably be the same as last year, Lakers and four. Um, I would say runner-up. Runner-up's a weird, I guess, opponent. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I want to say Nets just because I feel like that's the matchup that we all want to see. Um, but I, I see them getting stopped in the conference finals. Um, I don't even know who's first in the East right now, to be honest. But just because I can't think of a better opponent, I would say Nets just because – that's the matchup I want to see. Yeah. Uh, Phillies first. I feel like the Nets have the firepower, but their defense is just atrocious. So I don't know if that is going to change personnel-wise or maybe just playing together longer. Um, Arash, what do you got? What was that stat that I just saw recently? In the last like 10 games, the Nets have had one of the most prolific offenses, but they've also like allowed the most points defensively. Since the Harden trade, they have statistically the best offense in NBA history and the worst defense in NBA history. Right. It's Which pretty unbelievable. Jeez. Which is wild. Which is also interesting because I would never have imagined or ever uh, identified KD and at least Kyrie as being bad defenders um, it, through this far in their career. Obviously, Harden has gotten a lot of um, criticism because of his uh, defensive game. But I think they pull it together. Um, I think it's early. I think they're making dumb mistakes. Um, when you lose to the Wizards, how they did a few nights ago, um, you got to chalk that up to just either, either being cocky or not organized. Um, there was all that drama early on in the season, before the season started, when Kyrie said we don't really need a head coach, kind of taking a slight at his new uh, coach, Steve Nash, before they even got together. Um, but for some reason, I, I think they put it together. I don't think they win the finals. Um, I probably think someone from the West represents and takes the finals, whether it's the Clippers or the Lakers or a few other teams. But I do think the Nets make it, but they got to get their ship together. I think Kyrie also said there shouldn't be teams either. You should just kind of float and play <laughs> with whoever you want, whoever you're feeling like your teammates should be on a given day. I agree with him. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Clippers Sixers. And I think the Clippers win it all. Um, right now, unless the the Nets conjure up a center that doesn't exist and isn't available. They have absolutely no chance of guarding Joel Embiid. Like, and this isn't just regular Joel Embiid. He is locked into a different dimension, I feel like. Uh, ben Simmons isn't going to stop Durant, but I think as far as a guy who can switch between Durant and Harden, he's as good as they come. You got Danny Green uh, to, to guard Kyrie potentially, and he's going to still get dusted. But I, th- I think that like they have enough defensively with Embiid being a total unstoppable force. I can't believe I'm writing off Milwaukee. I don't even think Milwaukee makes the conference finals. I haven't liked what I've seen from them, even though they crushed the Pacers tonight. But uh, And then the Clippers over the Lakers, is a, it's going to be a coin flip, like Arash said. Uh, these are the two best teams. I think they're going to be the last two standing. We're going to get the conference finals. We were promised last year in the bubble. And I just like how Paul George is playing more than anything else. And I think that carries over to the playoffs. So give me the Clippers over the Sixers. The only team better than the 8-2 and two run that the 76ers have had in the last 10 games is the Utah Jazz, 9-1. and one. So don't They've discount been crazy. the crazy. Yeah, it's been a hell of a run. My problem with Utah is I can't count on Rudy Gobert, their best player. 
to play in the playoffs the way he does in the regular season because he gets turned around like a top as soon as they go small. And he can only play one style. And I worry that if the team doesn't play that style, it's going to be hard for him to be as effective as he is during the regular season. I have that same problem with Embiid in the playoffs. I don't know why, but I feel like his game changes when it comes to the postseason. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's fair. Karthik, who do you got? Don't say, well, you, I think you were making a face. Are you going to pick the same thing? Just pick well, something different. my thunder. My, look, I, I picked Clippers Sixers in the preseason as my finals prediction. I'm sticking with it. I think it's still likely to happen. The Nets look really good. I actually think they can get it together and, you know, as bad as they are defensively, just watching them against the Clippers that last game where it's just Durant, then Kyrie, then Harden and alternating clutch possessions, it's going to be hard to keep up. But for the reasons you mentioned, Philly, I also like the fact that they just got a lot of good wing defenders. They've got lengthy defenders who can play on Kyrie and Harden, make it tough for them. And Embiid really is on a mission. And I think I agree with the rush in the sense that the Seeing him in the postseason, it's a different story because we saw him struggle a little bit, um, get frustrated. He was a little inefficient the last couple of postseasons. But I, I just think that they're a more complete team right now. The Nets might need a little bit more time to figure it out. And the Clippers, I'm just picking that as a, look, it's going to be a toss-up with the Lakers, but Paul George is is seemingly on a mission. The team is playing much better. Um, they're getting kind of contributions from all over the court. Like Nick Batum is not a, a corpse anymore, which is... A little bit promising, but um, yeah. I panned that signing big time. I thought he was done. Yeah, I mean, I, Wait, I think I did too. I just, Everyone did. Every analyst was, was hammering him for that. I just want to understand the Clippers pick a little better because the Clippers, in my opinion, got worse from last year to this year, and the Lakers got better. So how does that make you believe that the Clippers will be a better pick this year for the finals? I guess it's for both of you. Because the person who you think is the reason for those two statements, Montrez Harrell, is a Trojan horse when it comes to playoff <laughs> time. And he sucks in the playoffs. He looks awesome now. But then come the playoffs, he can't guard anybody. He gets caught in pick and roll. He can't really shoot. He's the energy guy where it's a Tuesday and you're tired and you just got to get that win versus, you know, Cleveland or Detroit, and he can go get you 20 and 12. When a team game plans for Trez every night, just like when they game plan for Lou Will every night, they're toast. And they got rid of at least one of those two dudes. They still need to add a point guard to help replace some of the Lou Will minutes. I'm, I'm targeting George Hill as a potential buyout guy. Keep an eye on that. That's why. <laughs> and, and I think we haven't seen the Clippers play the Lakers in the postseason. Like, there's this... I, I'm, I'm willing to take a chance on the Clippers actually... You know, being able to guard LeBron, um, they need the AD is going to be a problem for sure. But I think they're good enough defensively to make that a close contested series. And like I said, it's still a coin flip, but I think people are too quick to dismiss the Clippers as being a potential threat to LA. We haven't seen them play in the postseason yet. I agree with Ashkan. I think the Lakers have a better roster. But honestly, if they do meet each other in the playoffs, Clippers and Lakers, I feel like the spotlight will be so bright and the pressure will be so high. The Lakers will choke. Um, despite the fact of having a better roster. And even though Serge Ibaka was their plan B after losing Hero, I think they, he fits that roster better. Um, honestly, that defensive presence that he's going to provide them, I think will help them in the long run, um, even though that wasn't their primary route. He's better than Trez, I'm telling you, especially because they didn't have a rim protector and now they have somebody. 
Yeah, I think they they definitely have like some defenders for Braun, but who's gonna guard AD? Like if I stack the best players, Kawhi versus AD, Braun versus uh, PG, like Lakers win all those matchups. Like I don't see a way that Clippers. You could say they have a better team, but you could argue they had a better team last year and they didn't get anywhere close. So that's where I don't I don't get the I don't buy it. But I think last year is actually a good example of why I like the Clippers even more this year. Because last year they were coasting. They were up 3-1 and kind of handling the Nuggets. And they fell apart mentally. And that's different than what their on-court talent shows. And I think PG, like Karthik said, is a little bit more focused. He's playing phenomenally. shooting 45% from three this year. He, you know, Ibaka shores up some of their defensive issues. And if they can get another ball handler out there, there's a different version of this team than I think the one that came in last year. And at the end of the day, Kawhi played poorly in game seven, but he's brought it in multiple playoff rounds. He's a two-time finals MVP. I trust him when the chips are on the table in a way that I don't trust the other young stars around the league who haven't proven it yet, like a Luka or a Giannis or whoever. PG is fake. I don't like PG. Pandemic P. impeccable, though. Yeah, his hairline doesn't budge. Um, all right, so when I think about, all right, these guys have now, right? So when I think about who's got next, let's talk about sort of the teams with the brightest futures because I think there's a lot of, especially a bunch of teams that have traded superstars recently, like the Drew Holidays, Anthony Davis, James Hardens, et cetera, Paul George. There's a lot of teams building for tomorrow. So if you think about the teams with the brightest futures, and I can go first, I think this is going to be a little bit off the beaten path. I'm going the Memphis Grizzlies because I think, if Jaron Jackson can stay healthy and if John Morant can stay healthy, that's as good of a one, two under 23 or 24, however those young, those guys are as almost anybody in the league. And I know this is going to be unpopular, but I trust John Morant more than I trust a guy like Trey young, frankly, uh, more than I trust a guy like Zion Williamson at this point in their careers. And I think Memphis has a couple good players around them. Brandon Clark, Dylan Brooks. There's some, there's some young talent there. The problem with them is they have to nail every pick, right? Because as a Memphis, they're not signing anybody. So they kind of have to get the draft right year after year. But I trust them to do so because I trust what that infrastructure is built. So I'm going Memphis as, as who I think is most equipped for, you know, five years from now, title contention. I'm going to go with uh, Phoenix. And and it's not, I mean, Phoenix, obviously Booker, Aiden, but I think what makes their core promising is that Mikel Bridges has taken a big leap this year. Um, and when you look at that core, those three pieces, you have Booker, who's the offensive ceiling, the guy who can carry carry you offensively night in, night out. Mikel Bridges has now he's become a ultra-efficient, great defender, very versatile defender, who's also um, very low usage rate. So you know he can work in an offensive system with Booker. And then DeAndre Aiden has taken a step back offensively this year, but he's become a lot better defensively. And... I think to be a really elite big in the NBA, I think you need to have some level of defense, uh, elite defensive comp, uh, comp like um, you need to be pretty efficient on the defensive end is what I'm trying to say. So I think that three, those three players really make up a solid core that they can build upon. Like they've got a lot of vets today that aren't going to be there in the future, but I think they can fill out those gaps a lot easier than a team like Memphis can um, with a lot more holes. Does Booker, have and curious for everyone's thought does booker have the top flight talent of a john morant because i feel like we've been waiting for a while 
And this year he had a perfect situation and he's still learning to play with Chris Paul. But like, is he a 1A on a title team? I don't know. I think he could put up 25 on a team that loses 50 times a year. He's shown us that. Has he shown us the flip side? Yeah, but John Morant, like how many point guards are the 1A on a title team? Can you name, like how often does that happen? Like Steph Curry is like a different kind yeah, of player. fine. But at the same time, he could be one of the two best players, let's say, on a championship team. And I don't know if Booker can, because I don't know if he does everything well enough, especially defensively, to be like, all right, he's like to me, he's Zach Levine with a better PR team. (laughs) And I love Zach Levine, but nobody's talking about this dude as like the future of the NBA. That's a fair point. That's fair. Arash, what do you got? I'm going to go on a a limb here um, because that hasn't happened yet and it's still up in the air. The Um, Wizards. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Honestly, you got to give Sam Presti some props. Um, If you're running a clinic on managing a roster and a salary cap for a professional sports organization, he, he fits the bill, dude. What he's done in these last five years on moving assets and getting more back for those assets and then trading the assets that he received and getting even more back. Um, I'm in awe. The guy got hired, which I don't even know. He's been with this team um, since they were in Seattle. Uh, Seattle Supersonics, 2007, he was hired. This guy's mm-hmm. going on almost two decades running this team. And like I didn't know his name until recently when these trades were done. But when you have that many first-round picks in your upcoming future – um, how can you not have high hopes for what that team and what that roster may look like in a few years? Yeah, there's a reason we're brothers. Dude stole the words right out of my mouth. It's usually the other way around, though. He usually steals my shit. I thought you well. <laughs> um, I'd say, I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely would have agreed with that. Uh, the only thing Presti hasn't done is won a fucking ring, um, which is pretty sad when you think about all the talent that's come through there. Um, but I, I'll switch it up. I think the Memphis pick is nice, but I don't think they're the best one-two punch below 23. I think I would give it to Luca and KP, uh, but that's not even who I'm going with. I would go with the Celtics, being that mm. it's a stable organization. You've got one of the top coaches already in place, and he's not going to be leaving to go anywhere else. And you've got Tatum and Jalen Brown, who I'm very, very bullish on. Um, and they always seem to find those guys like the Marcus Smarts and get more out of their potential, right? Uh, the sum yeah. of they're always more than the sum of its parts, or whatever the saying goes. Um, so, and they have a shit ton of Apple assets. A day keeps the doctor away, I think. Yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they they have a lot of assets too, right? It's just like Danny Ainge hasn't pulled the trigger whenever he wants to. Bradley Beal's available. There's guys always available. He needs to cash in those chips at some point. Um, but I, I would say the Celtics, just because of the organization, the studs that they've already drafted and like their ability to always kind of like, maximize the potential of their players. They have the best infrastructure, like you said. And another thing we didn't talk about is they probably have the best coach who's also fairly young and has no real reason to go anywhere else or, or to obviously retire. Um, so if Brad Stevens is part of the future for the next 10 years, then which he should be, and and Tatum and Brown are, of course, under contract. Both of them signed max deals or close to maxes, so they're there for a while. That's a fair point. Um, 
What about the Pelicans? Nobody said the Pelicans. They got Zion. They got Ingram. They got Lonzo, who sucks, so I'll retract <laughs> his name. They got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, pride of Virginia Tech, Blacksburg. And, but even in terms of the top, Zion and Ingram are already all-star level players. So what's the, what's the takeaway for why that's not the right answer? Yeah, I think I don't think we know what Zion is yet. Like he we know he's super talented, super athletic, but like he needs to develop his game before we know that he can be the 1A or 1B guy. I actually feel confident that uh BI can be a 1A 1B guy. Dude is super athletic, like KD Wiz Khalifa clone, like I don't know how he does it on a night in night out basis, but um I would say it it all hinges on Zion. Um, and I think they made a great trade. They got, they got rid of drew holiday, got some picks. So like if they can hit on one of those and bring someone in, I think it could be it, but like, it all depends on how Zion develops, which I think is a big question mark given his size and given his kind of freaky injuries that he's had so far. Yeah. Because Arash, you talked about Oklahoma city, right? They have all these picks, but so does New Orleans from unloading A.D. Andrew. So they have the picks, maybe not quite as many as Oklahoma City, but close, plus a potential superstar in Zion and a potential perennial all-star in Ingram. Whereas I don't know that Oklahoma City has that. At the same point, I kind of agree with you in that I don't trust this Pelicans team. I don't know what it is about them. I don't think Zion and Ingram fit well together. Um, Karthik, you you've been down on Zion a little bit compared to the masses. Do you see it? Do you see it as just him being too young, or is it something else? Do you think long term he's flawed? I, mean, I think Oshkan said it best. Like we don't know what he is yet. I think this version of Zion is still everyone's treating him like a superstar already, but he's not there. He's so flawed defensively. He's very limited offensively. Uh, although he's elite at that one offensive skill. And look, this Pelicans team has had Gentry, who's not a terrible coach. He's not great. And um, Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy, who is also not a terrible coach, not great. And this their team is still struggling, both last year and this year, with all the supposed talent. And so that's what makes me a little bit skeptical of, of what these guys are going to look like. Um, they got a poo-poo platter of young guys. Obviously, the focus is on Ingram and Zion, but I, I just don't know what Zion's going to be yet. And it's easy to say, oh, he'll figure out a three-point game. He'll figure out his defensive limitations. But until I see it, I'm not going to you know, ride the hype train. All right. Well, building off that question, if you guys, let's go around the table and say one dude, if you had to start a franchise with, forget the city, forget the coach, the infrastructure. You've got the average of everything. You can't pick the same dude twice. So if there's one dude that you would want for the next, let's say, seven years, who would it be? We'll start with you, Ashkan. The best player in the league, AD. Which league is this? The one him and Kyle <laughs> Kuzma started together? Dude, AD is the be- <laughs> <laughs> AD is the best player in the league. Like, I, I don't know why nobody sees it. I, I feel like it's almost the illusion that we give to, like, uh, other players who – play with superstars this is probably why Kyrie didn't want to like he wanted to leave Cleveland it's like you always like people just assume that you're the second fiddle to this person who has the bigger name but AD is 
the best player in the league. He's a freak athlete. Dude runs up and down the court like a gazelle. He can hit clutch threes to win you playoff games. He can fucking like shut you down. He could switch on any pick and roll. I I don't I don't get the the hype that like he's not the best player in the league. And he's still I don't know he's still probably under thirty. Like yeah, give me yeah AD he's twenty seven. But to your point, he had his own team. So what the hell did he do in New Orleans where they won exactly? four playoff games in seven years you just answered that question like five minutes ago it's new orleans we don't know what the fuck's going on there everyone needs to get the fuck out of there i don't know if it's like something in the water or the like not getting enough beads or sunlight but there i don't know new orleans doesn't seem like a good spot me and arash were down there for like three days i got food poisoning and almost died I think Ashcom broke the fuck record for this podcast in one episode. <laughs> We're definitely going to get approved by the bears now. Um, all right, Arash, who do you pick to go with? I think Luca's obviously the easy answer. 21 years old. He's super young. I was actually looking up um, the Pelicans roster when we were talking about a minute ago. Freaking Zion's still 20 years old. Like, that's pretty that's wild crazy. to me. He's also 285 pounds, so he should be playing left tackle for the Chiefs again. <laughs> for the um, Saints, at least. They might have <laughs> given Breeze a little bit more protection. Right. So, I don't know. It seems Luka's the easy answer. Um, but then again, as we were talking about AD when he was on the Pelicans, he couldn't do anything despite the talent. And where are the um, Mavericks right now in the standings, right, these last few years? They make the playoffs last year. Unbelievable um, series against the Clippers. But right now they find themselves at the bottom of the West, right? And so, um, and I think that speaks to this league, right? You can't do it by yourself at this point when other teams are combining and joining forces. And it's he's not by himself. But if I was going to start a league or a start a team fresh, it's either him or Kyle Kuzma. So we'll figure it out. Taylor Horton Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Karthik. So I, I'll go Jason Tatum. Um, and look, you, you need wings to win in this league, uh, at least in this era, you need wings and, and Tatum still leaves a little bit to be desired, I think defensively, but he's already proven to be somewhat of an elite scorer and it's easy to build around a guy like that, um, more so than a guard. And there are no young bigs. I think Jaron Jackson is one I was thinking of, but he still doesn't have the ceiling that a guy like Tatum. Bam, Bam too, but Bam also does. It seems like his offensive ceiling it feels a little bit more limited for some reason. I, I don't know. Watching, maybe I'm too, um, after watching them against the Lakers, which obviously is a great defensive team, I, I kind of got a little bit more down on Bam in terms of a ceiling. But I think having a guy like Tatum, you need a wing. You can build around that, and you'll contend. So that's my Karthik, I got a question for you. Besides the maybe three- or four-year age difference, um, what do you? Th- why would you choose Tatum over AD? Because it's to me they're almost the same type of. They're not the same type of player, right? One's like a forward center, one's a wing. But AD can do almost everything that Tatum can do, except he's bigger and more athletic. Oh, I agree. I mean, I'd rather pick AD for sure. Um, but in, if you already picked him, and I gotta oh, pick someone true. else, I'll take yeah, I'll take yeah, Tatum. Yeah, yeah. And AD's a little bit on the older side. I think Tatum, at least you're going to get a couple more years out of him. Um, they got five-year age, age difference for the record. Mm. Yeah. Tatum's only 22 somehow. Yeah, he's yeah, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> and that's always the joke, right? Tatum's still 19. Because it really is it's insane how young he is. 
So I'm going to take a guy in the middle between AD and, and Tatum that I feel like we, we've started going the other, too far in the criticism boat. Can don't you guys say, guess? Don't say Beal. No, it's not Beal. Don't say John Denny, Denny Avdia. No, um, <laughs> it's Giannis, dude. This guy is two-time MVP, defensive player of the year. Even if he doesn't project as a late-game shot creator, yes, he's not going to ISO like Kawhi or LeBron or do those kinds of things. He's still a two-way destructive force. Unlike, you know, what's the biggest thing you said about Zion, about Luka, about Tatum? Defensively, these guys are nowhere near where they need to be. AD's the only guy mentioned that's a t- true two-way player. And I'm getting a guy in Giannis who's a better ball handler. He's a better defender at the rim. He's a better shot blocker. He can facilitate more. And is he going to be the guy to take the last shot on, you know, a hesitation move on the perimeter? No, but neither is Anthony Davis. If he played with a guy like LeBron, you know, and why I wanted him to go to Dallas and sign with, you know, the Mavericks so he could play with Luka, he would be allowed to do exactly what AD is allowed to do in LA, which is run the floor like a gazelle, dominate on both ends of the floor. And if he needs to be, you know, get the ball in the post and go to work. And I think Giannis is a guy we've, we've started to criticize too much because we wanted him to be something he may not be. But we still got to step back and recognize that this guy just turned 26. He's got every accolade that LeBron or even Michael Jordan had at this stage of his career. And he may not ever become a good shooter, but maybe he doesn't need to be. They just need to play him a little differently. Well, see, that's the problem. You, like, if he's a two-time MVP, and I, I'd argue this is his ceiling. We're seeing his ceiling right now. And you say he's not going to get better as a shooter – and he hasn't even made the NBA Finals. Like, why Like, why would you want to build around a guy who's going to cap your ceiling like that? Like, that's the point. Right? You want to pick a player who it's, you can conceivably build around that's going to get you to the title. If Giannis is this good, averaging 30, 10, 15, and 10, or whatever he's averaging, and winning MVP after MVP and not getting to the Finals, like, that's – why do that to yourself? Because I think they've been using him wrong. Like, this season – bringing in Drew Holiday to take some of the ball handling and perimeter pressure off Giannis, the Bucks offense is number one in the league by a mile. They're playing a different style, where it's Middleton and Drew doing a lot of the creation, Giannis doing a lot of the finishing, he's setting the picks in the pick and roll, he hasn't played that style as much. They're starting to use him like a center, which is what he is. And if you think Embiid has a ceiling of the finals, it's not like Embiid's out here making it rain like Seth Curry. He's shooting 30%, right? He's bricking all over the court. But if he's being used like Embiid offensively while being able to switch one through five on defense, which other player in the league can do that? AD. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) I have a question. Do you think that Giannis will develop a jumper? No. His, His shot form is so fucked. And I think his hands are too big. It's there's 19 different problems when he shoots. It's not happening. Yeah, damn, that's unfortunate. It kind of reminds me. So you'll never forget this because once you hear it, you'll never forget it. Draymond, the the notion is he always shoots like he's wearing a backpack, right? Like the way he something about Giannis's stroke reminds me of that, where it's so many moving pieces. There's like. 20 different things happening with his body. It's contorting in all these different ways. It, it, the form is, I, I guess it's not fixable. It's nine years into the league now for him. I just don't understand. These guys spend all day in the gym. I mean, this is as a fan speaking, right? Like, I don't know what it takes to become an NBA player. But 
how can you not fix that jumper? Rondo could fix it after 10 years finally. LeBron obviously fixed it while jury's still out. Um, but 37% like how, from three this yeah, year. Yeah, this year, of course. Um, but like, how could this dude not fix a jumper? Like you, I know he's spending time in the gym. He's got to be shooting. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't calculate in my head. He's missing them in the gym as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a rush. Uh, he's played basketball for 10 years. He's still hitting the backboard on some of those. <laughs> hitting the fans Yo, in the stands. Funny story is Giannis is apparently so, cause he, his free throw shooting went into a tank last year, right? He was shooting in like the fifties or low sixties or something. So apparently this guy like gives his life for his family. He's so family oriented, blah, blah, blah. So when he was practicing free throws, rather than making himself run, he would make his fiance with their baby run up and down the court. When he would miss, he'd make them do suicide because it apparently hurt him so bad when they ran. Two I games bet. into the season, he had two free throws to tie the game, and he bricked them both, and they lost. <laughs> I was like, you got to change your tactics, my man. So Giannis, has, Giannis is one of three brothers in the league, right? Yeah. Do you guys know if he's the oldest, the youngest, or the middle? I think he's middle. I think he's the oldest. Perfect. Middle? I don't know. He's the middle one. Yeah, the, um, the youngest is on the Lakers. The uh, other guy I, actually plays for the Bucks. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the um I think I think Giannis's ceiling is like Karthik said. Um I think he's Dwight Howard. They don't they don't play the same position, but during his prime years, maybe That's he gets to the finals and he'll get swept. Only, Giannis will only see the deep ends of the playoffs and maybe the finals when he's no longer the centerpiece of an offensive scheme. Um until then, like Dwight I think he'll be an attractive name and a very rare talent, but I don't think he's got what it takes to get there on his own. Which is the same as Davis, right? Why is that not okay? Davis literally went to go play with maybe the greatest player of all time, and they won a title immediately. But Davis was a big reason why they won, right? Like Dwight Howard also was on that same team that just won the ring, but Dwight Howard contributed too. Like I actually thought he was a valuable asset that they needed in the stretch, but he wasn't the reason they won. Davis was the reason they won. Um, as much as LeBron was, and LeBron was definitely a reason. Um, but I don't think Giannis sees that ring or a chance at that ring until he's no longer a key contributor. I mean, Davis yeah. can shoot. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Like, And you're saying Giannis will never shoot. <laughs> but he can do other things better than Davis. He's a better playmaker. He's a better dribbler. He's a better brother. Yeah, but it's easy to take him out. Like, Look, it's hard to game plan. Even with LeBron on the Lakers... It's AD is a matchup nightmare, right? But in the playoffs, Giannis is so easy to stop. Like that's that's not a coincidence that the last couple of years it ends the exact same way. And every year we say, "Look, Giannis is playing better this year. He's doing X, Y, Z." And then your argument at the end is, "Oh no, he's good to build around as long as we get him all the help he needs." And you know, you run the offense through all these other guys that are not named Giannis. <laughs> like that, what kind of argument is that? As long as you don't give him the basketball in moments that matter, this guy can be the best player on a title team. Yeah. Yeah. Which is exactly what the Magic tried to do year after year: is put people around Dwight, but don't give him the ball when when they yeah, came down to the <laughs> Just rebound and block shots. Um. All right. Last question. We'll have fun with this one. There's one rule change you would make right now about the NBA, whether that's gameplay, whether that's season structure, whatever you want, whether that's 
number of teams, anything you want to do, draft lottery, et cetera, what would be something that you would change that you think would markedly improve the product? Uh, let's go. Who's got a good answer off the bat? I got a good one. All right. Um, I would, to markedly improve the game, I think the game is deteriorated for the reason that I'm about to mention. I would make flops reviewable and ejectable offenses. I feel like it's gone way too far. Like people not even getting touched and they're flying across the court and like <laughs> somehow got blood coming out of their eyes. Like I don't understand it. Ketchup um, packets. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> like I think flopping is kind of, it hasn't ruined the game, but it's diluted the product. And the only way to fix it is to like, come with some serious punishments like ejections losing paychecks that's the only way to get people to stop doing it they used to or they still technically have a rule that gives you a tech if you flop but the refs never call that on anybody and i yeah. feel like that i mean it's, it's a t- of six thousand is not enough yeah i think if they lose playing time like that's the biggest thing Cat, like money for a lot of these players is like nothing unless you're the 12th man on the bench. Um, but I think yeah. losing playing time is like the best way to kind of do it. And it needs to be like you need to go for the top people. Like if LeBron starts losing games, if uh, like I don't even know whoever the top people are. Manu is out now, so can't even say him. Luca, dude. Is he bad? Luca's flopping and Trey Young. Oh, my God. Trey Young is flopping is out rages it's impossible to watch the the watching the hawks is like watching a bizarro shittier version of the hardened rockets <laughs> <laughs> but you see you're making my point like it's making no, it agree. bad to watch uh, so I that agree. would be my change all right karthik you got something teed up well it's it's on the similar lines i I think the problem with the NBA now, and everyone's talked about this, it's become a hot topic, is the whining to the officials. Uh, look, I'm a big LeBron guy, but he's probably the biggest culprit. And now Luca's doing it. And it's just, it's a disease. It's like all, like, because I feel like everyone's doing it now. Like every game you watch, it's just constantly guys not getting back on defense, going after the refs. So here's my rule. Very strict. You're not allowed to talk to the refs at any point in the game. If you want to contest a call, make it go through the coach. Otherwise, instant technical. If a player even says something in the direction of a ref, technical. And like, I don't hello? care if players don't like it. It, it <laughs> but look, you have to it, to nip something like this in the bud. You can't have half-ass yeah. measures. You need to go all out, right? That's why the flopping like fines and stuff never worked. Because you'd be like, oh, we'll charge you five thousand dollars if you flop. Like the you know the risk greatly outweighs the like the punishment, right? Or oh, sorry, the reward. Uh, outweighs the punishment. So don't even let them talk to the refs. Immediate tech. Yeah, that's another one that they tried to do something, some half-ass measure with, right? Where they were like, you can only, you can't talk in a raised voice or it's a tech. Yeah. And it took like four games before LeBron was like in that dude's shirt, like yelling at him. It used to be worse too, where I remember there was a scene where Tim Duncan was on the bench laughing and they're teching him up and throwing him out of the game. <laughs> Yeah, he literally got thrown out from the bench to not (laughs) say anything. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Arash, what do you got? I actually like Ashkin's role a lot. Um, I do think that would make a huge impact in the game, but I think the direction the league is going, um, 
this may be the rule that they ultimately adopt, the four-point play, right? Um, the way these guys are shooting the ball now, I don't see it happening, but it almost feels like it has to happen one day. Um, I was just looking it up. Obviously, the three-point play eventually was added to the league. It wasn't always part of the game, um, and it got added in June 1979. So I'm sure at that point in time, people were like, no way. I mean, it's two points, one point, that's it. So I can see it happening eventually. Um, and I obviously that would have a huge impact because not only are players already practicing that type of shot, but you add it as an advantage where you can get more points. I mean, that's all players are going to be doing. Yeah, I thought about that one. I was de- So the other thing that you could say is part of that, which is just to slow down like the, the importance of the three is if you extended the line such that there is no corner three and then there's like you know like the three-point line doesn't actually because right now the three-point line is an arc and then it goes square down right because there's not room on the court to do the the full thing but they have to figure out a way to change the to your point change like the incentives because right now the three-point shot's too easy and if you stretch it out back there's really you can't defend all of that room at once Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it almost feels like the court has to change the shape of the actual court, which also hasn't happened in forever. But um, that would just dynamically change how we watch this game and how it's played. So mine is the thing that I hate the most while watching basketball is charges. And I think that the way charges are defined, like offensive charges, it's so unfair to the player who's driving because you can just jump in at the last second and draw a charge because you're there before the guy even, like after the guy took off, you just happen to figure out a way to get in place in time. It's dangerous. It's it it's it's not the spirit of the, of the, the rule, I don't think. Like a charge should be like you bowl a guy over, you push your forearm out, like whatever. The way they do it now, it's like Kyle Lowry just sneaks in there at the last second amongst all the trees so nobody can see him and suddenly you're running him over. That's not the point of the rule. And it's, it makes it like super dangerous because those collisions are pretty intense. And the, the guy who's driving has no idea that the player is running to get to that spot. And I think there's something you want to say about keeping defensive like effort. But I, I just think that play is far too dangerous. Yeah, I think that goes hand in hand with the flopping, too, because a lot of those guys, like the little guys, they just kind of sneak in there. They get clipped on the forehead and they like fall like 10 feet back. Um, I like yeah. that one. But we can combine all, right. all our rules into like one massive rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one rule that makes you have to not flop as you take a four pointer and then no charges allowed. Um, but all right, that's going to be a wrap for us. Arash, Ashkin, thank you for coming on. Hope you guys had a good time. We had fun chopping it up. Um, we will be back next week to discuss all things Super Bowl as well as whatever is the latest happening in the NBA. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin on all major podcast platforms. Please email us at thickandthinhoops at gmail.com, and we will talk to you next week.